0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep, and more. New research from RMIT University has found a link between autism and the gut. Given we still don't know what causes autism, any discovery that could help those on the spectrum would be welcomed by families around the world. Chief Investigator, Associate Professor Elisa Hilliadin is on the line to explain more about the findings. Hi Elisa, how are you?
1: Oh, hi, Siobhan. It's great to be here.
0: Why look into the gut? So you were investigating uh, autism and um, what, was, uh, what was going on with autism in a way. Why would you look at the gut when you're investigating neurodiversity? Isn't it all about the brain?
1: Yeah, well, it is, and it has been until now. But actually, what my research team's really interested in is the second brain. And this is the second brain that we have in our gut, And so we're interested in understanding what goes wrong with that second brain uh, in the case of gut problems, like in many disorders such as autism.
0: You're going to have to talk to me a bit more about this second brain idea. (laughs) Why do you call our gut the second brain?
1: Well, because actually there's a huge meshwork of neurons that are running all the way up and down our gastrointestinal tract, which is really amazing. And I think a lot of people um, have forgotten or might not be aware of it. But I mean maybe we can think about it in a way that, you know, we say we have, I don't know, gut feelings or we get butterflies or we're suddenly nervous and we feel like we have to run to the toilet. That's our gut brain talking to our main brain.
0: Okay. So you when you decided to look at our second brain, when it came to autism, what was it that you discovered?
1: Right, I'll have to step back a little bit. So there's quite a lot known about uh, changes in the way neurons communicate in the brain in, in, um, in the case of autism. So that's been studied quite a bit. And so what my team came up with is really this question of, we know there's lots of gut problems um, in people with autism. Could it be that our second brain, just like our main brain, could there be some glitches in the communication? And so that's what we've really been chasing to have a look at in that second brain.
0: This is going. To, I, this might be too big a question, but how exactly do you study that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So what was done, and we've just released a, a paper that we've been working on for a long time, several years. And so we were able to go back to patients, the records of patients going to the pediatricians who first discovered the first gene that causes autism. So... We were able to look at the records of those patients and show that they had gut problems. And then we work in mice that express the same autism mutation and we're therefore able to understand what the effect of that mutation is because the mice are genetically identical. They're twins basically except and the only thing that's changed, they eat the same food. They live in the same, um, in the same cage. And the only thing that's changed is that genetic mutation. So we can then look at their gut function we know that that gene mutation uh, found in autism changes the gut function. That's what we've been doing.
0: And when you say that um, a lot of uh, people who are on the spectrum can have these gut problems, what is that? Um, how does that manifest? Are we talking about upset tummies, sensitivities? Is it in yeah. one specific way that they react
1: no, it's not, and that's kind of typical of gut problems, um, so they can sort of uh, ebb and flow, and you can have things that seem quite opposite that they can all also be related to the same cause. So you might have bloating or pain or even vomiting reflux and um, alternating diarrhea and constipation. Believe it or not, that can all stem from, from the same uh, problem.
0: I know that we often get news about breakthroughs and people get really excited about the impact it's going to have, but it is just research and there is a long a long process between research and something actually happening to that the layperson can use that is either in the form of medicine or therapies. There's a long distance between those two things. But how might this research be used to help those on the spectrum?
1: So... One thing that's become uh, really popular and a really uh, strong area of research at the moment is understanding how our gut nervous system communicates with the with the main brain. So we already know that problems in our gut can change our mood and behaviour. So that's where this is sort of coming from. We know that we can manipulate the way we feel, um, you know, from with our gut problems and there's This involves gut bacteria as well and there's kind of a black box of exactly how that's working but we know that it can work and that's from a lot of um, basic research, so animal studies.
0: Does it seem to indicate that one day we might be able to choose certain foods to eat or take certain tablets that will impact our gut health that will then potentially make, for example, an autistic person more communicative if that is their particular Uh, manifestation of autism or um, more socially aware if that's another part that they're dealing with do do you think it can be that specific
1: so yeah um, I think we're a long way off but um, uh, stepping back as well there's many gene mutations that are known to uh, cause autism now so there's over a thousand genes associated with autism so someone might have a gene mutation but And that's unlikely to be reversed by changing the bacteria. But we might be able to, as you suggest, design treatments that can improve mood and behaviour and improve um, quality of life and daily living in those ways. Um, So that's, again, a, a, a potential option in the future.
0: So interesting. I think there's a lot more to be explored with the discussion about our guts and our minds. But, Elisa, thank you so much for talking to us about this today.
1: Thanks. That's a pleasure.
0: That's Associate Professor Elisa Hill-Yarden. She's a Chief Investigator at RMIT University. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.